time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, November 9th, 2020. Happy Monday to everybody out there as we start a new week. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It was a little cold and rainy here in Southern California, at least to our standards. I know everyone else around the country probably thinks we're pretty soft with some of our views on uh, on the weather and some of our opinions on what cold is. But you know what? It's who we are out here in Southern California. It's one of the many things that we're a little backwards on, if I got to say so myself. But uh, yeah, I, I was actually a little cold. Uh, it was kind of an indoor type of weekend. And of course, with so much football on to watch, how could you not? As well as so many other things uh, going on <laughs> over the weekend, uh, specifically with the presidential election and just overall more craziness from the year 2020. But uh, Halloween is behind us. We are approaching Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. I don't know how happy a lot of these holidays are going to be as a, you know, that's kind of the holiday season, happy holidays, this and that. Um, I tried to take my mind off of a few things by starting to look forward, look forward to Christmas a little bit. Those who know me know that I'm a pretty big planner. I try to get ahead of things. And, and I know that working at Fred, FedEx here in the next few weeks, I'm going to be very busy working tons of overtime as we uh, get closer and closer to Christmas. So I'm going to really try to balance out my time and continue to put out some great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast, as I have promised you guys, and I know a lot of people continue to listen. It's fun looking at the uh, statistics, the analytics, and to see that each episodes do continue to grow. So it's really, really cool uh, here as we approach uh, almost the midpoint of November. But I got to say, November 9th, uh, someone who's on my mind today is my mother, Diane Hersema. She would have been 66 years old, born in 1954. Yeah, I think my math is right there. So happy birthday, mom. I know you're you're no longer with us, but I'm still thinking of you today on November 9th, a special, special day. And, you know, there's so many times when you're a kid and your parents have a have birthday and you don't know what to get them or what you can get them even not having much money. But uh, for those of you who still have your parents with you out there, let me tell you, treat them nice on those special days. Go, go spend a little bit more money on them. Um, you know, while you can, I mean, it's uh, they, our parents have done so much for us over the years that I, I hope each and every one of you uh, are still, are still uh, on good terms and uh, uh, enjoying life together with our parents. Uh, you know, they, they really paved the road for so many of us. Uh, last Friday, if you had a chance, you got to hear from Sam Hersema. Uh, he and I talked about our parents as he is my one and only brother. And we talked a lot about of our parents and just our work ethic and our more, more of our work path, our career path, I should say how you don't always end up kind of where you thought you would, but you know, something always leads you to where you should be and everything. So a really good conversation regarding uh, working and jobs. And I thought it was really uh, relatable to a lot of people who are going back to work right now, uh, hopefully more here in the near future. Uh, I'm, I'm in a regular job now, which is even hard for me to say. So uh, that's kind of what I, what I've been up to. And, and our most recent episode was on Friday. So be sure to check that out if you have nuts already. Uh, before I get into 
a lot of the sports topics and everything today. I'm going to talk about college football. I'm going to talk about the NFL on Sunday. Uh, but I do need to say a few things regarding the presidential election. Uh, we had a podcast on Tuesday night, me and Bill Barnes, during the election. It went pretty late into the evening. And we kind of knew that there wasn't going to be a winner projected that night. All right. But the way a lot of the tallies had been going, it looked like it was going to uh, be in favor of reelecting President Donald Trump. For some reason, a few states decided to stop counting. And that was a little suspicious, but that was not the most suspicious part of the evening, uh, or I should say the next day or, or what we've seen this week. So apparently that was for a reason. And uh, the next couple days, you know, a lot more votes that happened to come in, more ballots uh, ended up going in the favor of Joe Biden. And on Saturday, Joe Biden was declared the president elect by various news media outlets. Well, I know that there are people with any election who are upset by the results and most people are thrilled and, and the other half is thrilled with the results, right? I think roughly each candidate got about 70 million votes. Okay. Now how, who is to say how many of those are legitimate or not? Uh, I, I'm no expert on these things. I'm far from it, but I do want to say that sometimes you, you can accuse somebody of something a lot. You can say, hey, this happened, but if you can never produce evidence, like a lawyer, for instance, which apparently there's a lot of litigation that's going to be occurring here in the next week or so, and if I'm honest, I think it's going to go for a while, uh, but I do want to ask you guys this question. Whether you voted for Joe Biden, whether you voted for Donald Trump, third-party candidate, um, I, I really don't care. I've said that before. You guys know who I voted for, all right? Um, and, and if Joe Biden wins this presidency outright, then the American people have spoken. The voters have spoken. But I do want to make sure that it is the voters who uh, are still alive, voters who have voted just once. Uh, I think that is very important because if we don't have a, a fair and accurate uh, voting system, then what good is our democracy? What good is our republic? All right. And, and this is something I thought about over the weekend. I guess it, for, for you ladies listening, uh, you could relate to this maybe also, but let me just say it from a, a guy's standpoint. Uh, fellas, have you guys ever had a girlfriend uh, or dating someone that, you know, kind of wanted to look at your phone? You know, I'm a very private person. I don't like my friends looking at my phone. All right. All right. But sometimes in relationships, I've seen where somebody, the, the a partner is suspicious maybe of some activity, right? You want to, Hey, let me see your phone. Some people say, no, I'm not showing you my phone. Cause you're either, you know, looking up something you shouldn't be, or maybe someone was texting you that shouldn't have been or whatever. Some people would argue that you denying access proves guilt proves that maybe there is something going on. Why, If you have nothing to hide, why would you not let me see? Now, again, I'm coming from a standpoint of I, I have privacy. I don't want people to, to, to see my phone, whether you're suspicious of something or not. That's mine. That's my personal information. All right. But there is an argument that if I don't have something to hide, and I want to prove to the person to vindicate myself, the, the girlfriend who is suspicious of my phone activity. It's almost like, sure, you want to see my phone? 
You think you, you think I'm doing something wrong? Here you go. Have at it. Be my guest. And then they see that there's nothing there, and now they feel stupid. Now they will hesitate maybe down the road to question your loyalty or some of your activity, right? So I don't know if this analogy works for you guys, but this is my thought with a lot of the uh, voter fraud allegations with the Democrats. Whether it's there or not, I mean, again, if you if you believe the Democrats are just miraculously got a bunch of votes late, hey, all the power to you. Okay, and maybe that did happen. But I do want to I do find it interesting that the Democrats are hesitant to hand over their phone. If they have nothing to hide, wouldn't you want to hand over your phone and be like, "Sure, here. Look. This race was fair and square." If you did dominate Donald Trump as you say you did, wouldn't you almost want to assist the Republicans assist and make it all clear and obvious to the Republicans and the Democrats, excuse me, the Republicans and Donald Trump that they were defeated. If you hate Donald Trump so much, don't you want to help provide the accurate information so that he looks like a fool? So that all of this, him going in front of the television and saying that uh, there's voter fraud and there is some major controversy here. Wouldn't you want him? Wouldn't you want to pave the way for him and, and uh, give him your phone, give him the code and be like, go right ahead. Look, wouldn't you want that news media? Wouldn't the news media want to assist? Wouldn't, wouldn't they want to assist a- instead of calling Donald Trump a poor sport and just someone who can't accept loss, even though for four years, this is what the Democrats and the media did with Donald Trump calling his presidency uh, unofficial, not my president, you know, refusing to accept him as the president, accusing him constantly of collusion with Russia and, uh, you know, lack of voter integrity. And he stole the last election. But now all of a sudden, when there is some actual evidence of trucks dumping off ballots in the middle of the night, of the counts resuming in the middle of the night, when they said they weren't going to start recounting until nine or 10 the next morning. Isn't that odd to you? Doesn't something, if you vote, even if you voted for Joe Biden, I, I think you have to say that this is kind of suspicious and don't you want, wouldn't you want to vindicate your victory? Leave no doubt. As they say, how embarrassing would it be to Donald Trump and the Republicans and all Trump supporters if the Democrats came forward and said, hey, here, let us help you. We want fair elections too. We want every uh, every correct or legal vote to be counted, not illegal ones. Wouldn't by them doing that and then Joe Biden still being the winner, wouldn't that make Donald Trump just look absolutely like just totally a total poor sport, a total embarrassment. Wouldn't that happen? But for some reason, the media, the Democrats, they're not really, they're kind of fighting um, these allegations. They're not saying, sure, go ahead. Check my phone. Look at who I've been texting. I haven't been texting anyone inappropriately. I have not been looking at any website I shouldn't have been looking at. You know what I mean, guys? You know what I mean? So those are my thoughts from what I've seen 
over the weekend. Um, I, I think if I put myself in the Democrats' shoes, you want to make Donald Trump look worse than you already think you have made him look. You have the you have the power of the media. You have all these different resources. Why don't you cooperate and encourage there to be a look into recounts and voter fraud so that when you do recount the votes and Joe Biden is still the still still leading, still the winner, that it's accurate and that you've made your opponent look even worse. Those are my thoughts. Maybe some people just want to hold on to their cell phone and don't want to hand it over. They're so caught up in, uh, no, this is mine. I can look at what I want. Um, and if you have a problem with it, then I don't know, break up with me or, or live in suspicion. I'm not saying any girlfriend or boyfriend who's been suspicious of what their partner is looking at, uh, hasn't been warranted or is never warranted. All right. But that's what I think the Democrats and the Republicans and Trump and Biden and, uh, this entire country, I think we're in for a real interesting next couple of weeks. Biden has been declared the winner. Uh, Trump's legal team has said they are pursuing some voter fraud. They have strong evidence in many different states, not just one instance, but many about fraud. And you got to be careful what you read online because there's all kinds of people with conspiracy theories. All right. So you got to be careful what you read into. You got to have an open mind, much like I always say about listening to the news media. You got to form your own opinions. And try to use as, you know, collect as many facts as you can to have stronger and better and more accurate opinions. So be careful out there in what you read and what you see. Um, this is not over by any means. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't want Donald Trump to be reelected. You guys know that I do. All right. And I don't think anyone who voted for Joe Biden is some horrible person or deplorable or anything that the Democrats and the left have called Republicans and Trump supporters all these years. You guys ever notice the difference in the language, in the tone? Uh, did anyone, did anyone, I, I know that the media is trying to paint a, a picture of uh, Trump supporters going to these precincts like they are a hostile, crazy mob. But do you remember when Joe, or excuse me, when Donald Trump was elected in 2016, all the rioting, the taking to the streets that took place? Did you guys notice that when Joe Biden was declared the president, that there wasn't any of that from the right, from the conservatives? Did anybody notice that? Sure, maybe there was some protests or whatever, but there was no violence. None that I saw and definitely not anything compared to the violence and riots we saw from people on the left, uh, not just that year uh, in 2016, but in the recent months uh, with all the different tantrums they've thrown. So I think the, the right and the left at times are like two different species of human beings. It, it's uh, it's hard to, to say exactly, uh, it, to describe it all exactly. But again, these are observations. I try to be very impartial and just look at, okay, who's consistent, who's not. And I got to tell you, Republicans and conservatives, if Joe Biden won this election fairly, uh, then it is what it is. Life goes on. The sun will come up tomorrow. There will be future elections. Conservatives don't need to sit there and be the crybabies that we saw from the left and the Democrats for four years. And now all of a sudden they want to talk about unity and everything, which is hilarious. But um, some, in, in some regards, you got to be better than the opponent. You got to have higher standards. You got to be, hold yourself to uh, more accountable. 
in some things. So anyway, guys, those are just some things that I'm rambling about today uh, that I think are important to discuss. I'm going to get into a lot of this with Bill Barnes on Wednesday, as I'm sure you guys are well aware. And our Friday guest, actually, um, I'm having on the program Brandon Vandermide, who is a fellow college baseball umpire. He lives in Utah, and he's going to talk to me a little bit about his thoughts on the election and also cancel culture and the social media mob. And it was a really good discussion. We recorded on Sunday and I thought it was something that a lot of you will enjoy. So be sure to tune in for that on Friday, but um, I'm going to take a breather here, take a break from my long winded analogy of the election results, at least for now. And I'll say this again, whether you're Biden supporter, Trump supporter, an independent supporter. um, I think this is long from, from over. And if nothing else, it, it could get a little ugly from both the left and the right. I really do believe that. I think the the right, the conservative side, they feel a little cheated and they're going to do everything in their power to prove voter fraud, to prove uh, that there was foul play. And if something does get overturned, I do think you're going to see some uh, big reactions from uh, the democratic side of things, the Democrats and the left in general. So, so much tension still, even though allegedly we have a president elect, uh, I'm not going to be the person that's never going to say, Oh, I'm never going to accept the results and this and that. I mean, they are what they are, but it, with the le- litigation going on, the investigations, um, that's where I think facts will come out one way or another and give us a better understanding as to what happened on the night of November 3rd and a few days after apparently. So anyway, I'm going to take a breather. Let's talk some sports. Let's get into some action from the weekend. Enough of me rambling about politics and such, but uh, there will be more of that this week. I can promise you that. So let me take a breather and then we'll dive into some college football app action from Saturday. And then uh, our third and final segment should be a little conversation or not conversation. It's only me today, guys, but it'll be a little bit more discussion on some uh, games that happened on Sunday from the NFL side of things. So bear with me. Thanks for joining us today. Happy Monday to all. I'm going to take a breather and then we'll be right back to talk some college football. Well, let's talk some college pigskin, as the kids say uh, these days, or I'm not sure where uh, people say that anymore, but I'm going to say it. College pigskin from Saturday. Uh, Before I get into this, there is something I want to say. You know, I'm very hard on sports announcers. Uh, I know it's not an easy job, okay? Just like I don't like when they criticize officials, and and, I hear I am criticizing broadcasters, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've actually done some broadcasting on, you know, online stuff and it's not as easy as it, as it sounds at times, but I do have some bones to pick with some announcers because I see it every single weekend in football announcers. I know you're watching the game and you're trying to say what happens and everything. Would you please stop guessing on plays? And what I mean by this is announcers will say, Oh, he's out of bounds at, the one yard line when the referees are clearly marking the guy down at the four yard line. Oh, it looks like he's in the end zone. Oh, no signal yet. Why don't you wait for the signal? Now, right or wrong, your job's to broadcast the results of what happened. Comment on what happened. So even if an official is wrong and it goes to replay later, you still have to announce what they declare happened. 
kills me all the time. Oh, there's a catch. And they, they, it'll be a first down for uh, Syracuse. Oh, wait. No, they're, now they're saying it's incomplete. You know, referees, they, they are far from perfect. But just watch them. They have signals and everything that tell you what happened on a play. Drives me absolutely up the wall. Just watch where the official marked the ball. Watch him, watch him waving his arms. Watch him signaling catch. Because a lot of times the officials are correct. So pay attention. Please, announcers. Please. Oh, I didn't see the official mark. Well, maybe you should watch. Maybe you should watch. Anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll have more to say about that, I'm sure, at another time. But let's get back into college football. So an exciting Saturday of college football. And for Pac-12 fans, I don't know how many of them are out there, but I do know a lot of my show listeners are here in Southern California. And they were probably tuning in to either UCLA or USC, um, maybe some other teams they follow, Stanford, Oregon. I don't know. I don't know who people follow anymore. Uh, but I will say the Pac-12 kicked off. And it kicked off rather early on Saturday due to a lot of the TV scheduling and everything with um, the Pac-12 coming back at kind of late in the season after a lot of people have played some games already. They had to kind of get into certain TV slots. And I also know that the Pac-12 is doing some of this as well for exposure rather than having Pac-12 after dark, you know, late at night with 7.45 p.m. kickoffs, 10.45 on the East Coast. They wanted to do... Uh, some noon Eastern kickoffs with the big noon kickoff, that, which is on Fox every Saturday. So the Pac-12, in their infinite wisdom, decided to have USC and Arizona State play a 9 a.m. kickoff at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum uh, Saturday morning. 12 o'clock kickoff on the East Coast, right? Okay, that's not bad. Get some exposure uh, of the Pac-12 and everything. But a 9 a.m. kickoff? I, I know there were no fans, all right, but... That's pretty odd. I mean, what are you playing like uh, nine? What are you playing three games on that field today? Like it's junior All-American football or something? 9 a.m. kickoff, really? Anyway, I, I knock it. I do knock it. But uh, I did wake up early Saturday morning. I say early because I get home kind of late, right? On uh, especially Fridays after work and everything. I did wake up and I watched every game of that USC Arizona State game. So I'll, I'll talk about that game. And for, I will say most of the game, USC looked very similar to how they've been the last couple of years. I know they have a new defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator, um, but offensively, I think USC is trying to set some type of Guinness Book of World Record uh, in this very shortened season with how many two-yard passes they can throw. I don't know what the record is. I refuse to look it up, but it appears to me USC wants to set some type of record. I cannot understand the consistent throwing of like one or two yard passes. I, I just, it, every now and then I understand you dial something up and a guy's got to get in the open field and make a play, maybe a screen pass. All right. SC still is like in love with this bubble screen stuff, but I don't know how many times, especially late in the fourth quarter with like six minutes left under five minutes left, they're down two scores and they're throwing these two yard passes. You almost better off having an incomplete pass. Because at least the clock stopped. And I'm like, I know the Arizona State defense is backed up and they're they're not letting USC throw deep. I'm not saying throw a 40, 50-yard pass, but throw something down the field a little bit. How about a 10-yard pass? Uh, at this point, I'd, I'd, take, I'd take seven or eight. But these two and three-yard passes, 
I, I, I about pulled the, the hair, the remaining hair out of my head on Saturday. I'm like, what are they doing? Clay Helton, you got to make a splash this year. You need to real. you only got a couple games to prove that you shouldn't be fired because the fan base, everyone wants you gone. And what I saw on Saturday and, and keep me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I like Clay Holden. I've never met the man. So many people are like, oh, he's such a nice guy. It's like, how do you know he's a nice guy? He seems like a nice guy, but I mean, you got to produce results. So USC, uh, they were throwing, again, they're throwing these passes late in the game. And I'm like, are the scoreboards not working at the Coliseum? Do they not, do they not see the score, what the score is and the, how much time is left? That's the only thing I could figure out that they thought there was like a whole quarter and a half to play. And they're just taking their time, doing their thing. I'm like, okay, well, this is a rough start to the season at, you know, now that it's barely turning 12 o'clock, they've been playing since 9 a.m. Um, just really, really odd stuff. But anyway, uh, the Trojans managed to score late. They scored late with about, uh, well, just under three minutes left, I believe. And uh, managed to get the onside kick. Now, you don't see many onside kicks recovered by the kicking team these days, almost never in the NFL because of their stupid kickoff rules. But I thought the 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 way SC got the the onside kick, I thought it was very well executed. Okay, so that's hats off to the new special teams coordinator. And it's an onside kick. Your chances of recovering are not great. You need the ball to literally bounce your way. And the Arizona State uh, kid, one of the receivers, he got his hand on it, but it was a tough ball to handle. I'll give him that. There's bodies colliding everywhere. So SC got the break. They got a break there. Uh, you got to execute an onside kick, but it is there is some fortune involved. So they get that, and then it looked again like USC was just, again, trying to set a record with all these uh, passes six feet and short less, but, um, they managed to score, um, on fourth and nine, I believe it was, um, Drake London on a pass from Keaton Slovis, uh, 21 yard touchdown pass. And wouldn't you know it, it was a pass that was down the field a little bit, a very good throw and uh, an even better catch. I thought the defense was there for Arizona state and uh, the, the um, Mr. Drake London, he held on to the football. Uh, and you know what? It was a rather, it was some rain in the morning. It was a slippery ball kind of day for both teams. So I, I applaud him on that catch. I thought it was uh, pr- pretty well done. And uh, I was actually, I had turned the volume down because what I was doing in, late in the fourth quarter, thinking that USC was going to lose, is I put on the ESPN uh, radio, or no, they're not on ESPN anymore. They're on KABC, the the USC radio network. And I listened to what they were saying on their broadcast uh, because I wanted to hear the callers call in. That's part of the fun for me on Saturdays or, or even maybe after like the Dodgers lose and hearing the frustration in fans' voices because I'm that way at times that I can hear myself and some of the fans, uh, some of them are just lunatics too. But anyway, I was going to listen to that and I was, I was watching, I'm there about a play behind and it was cool to hear them broadcast the game while watching it on TV. So that was cool. And, uh, when USC scored to tie the game and then take the lead with the extra point, uh, it it was good call by Pete Arbogast, Arbogast, Arbogast. I'm I'm trying to remember how I say his name, but he's a really good uh, radio broadcaster and, 
far from perfect. I disagree with some of his takes, but uh, really, really cool hearing that. It was funny that I put the radio on to listen to angry callers and ended up hearing uh, quite a comeback from the USC radio network while watching the game. So, hey, I got I to gotta say, um, you know, never say die type attitude from the USC Trojans, 14 points, not just in the fourth quarter, but in like the final three minutes. Uh, a very tough loss for Arizona State. I mean, they really controlled most of the football game. Um, they, they really did. And Jaden Daniels, who's a Southern California kid, uh, grew up in San Bernardino, went to Cajon High School, the Arizona State quarterback. He had an okay kind of day. He didn't throw the ball particularly well. I think he's more of a guy that, that hurts you with his legs. Um, he had 11 carries and ran for over 100 yards. And he was 11 of 23 throwing with for only 134 yards. So they they definitely depend more on him for his legs than his arm. He's not as accurate, I think, as they'd like him to be at Arizona State. But he's only a sophomore, so maybe he'll get a little better. I was rather impressed with uh, Keaton Slovis from USC. He did put the ball in the air quite a bit, 40 of 55, 380 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, I, I think Keaton Slovis throws a good football. He, he works well from within the pocket. Sometimes when I see him holding the ball, I'm like, oh, no, bad things are going to happen here. Um but he played pretty well for the first game. He played he played pretty well. Again, he he a lot of his completions were were these two and three yard passes they they were throwing towards the end of the game. Um, while well, they were kind of in a hurry and and it didn't quite uh, work out, uh, or or it did work out for them. And, and Arizona State, I don't know what they were doing. If they just thought USC was gonna uh, just run themselves out of town uh, out of time or what. But Arizona State. You know, with three points in the first quarter, 14 in the second, uh, seven in the third, you're thinking, okay, 24 points through three quarters. Uh, they're they're heading in a good direction, but only three points in the fourth quarter, and I think that's ultimately what hurt them is just not putting up a few more points. And uh, USC wins the game 28-27 on a rainy morning at the Los Angeles Coliseum where the sun did come out and shine a little more brightly for the USC Trojans that morning. So kind of a weird, crazy start to not only the USC season, but the Pac-12 season. Well, it was like 12, 1230. I'd watched a USC game already, and I was like, man, what what, uh, what else is on today? Uh, uh, what a crazy day. This feels weird not waiting for a USC game that usually occurs later in the evening or afternoon at least. So I kind of bounced around, watched a few different games, and uh, probably the big one, probably the biggest – the biggest noise that was made in the afternoon was the University of Indiana or Indiana University. I don't know uh, what order they do things, but uh, Indiana, the Hoosiers. Yes, this is not a basketball game. This is a football game. Uh, taking it to the Michigan Wolverines and beating Jim Harbaugh and the uh, the boys from Ann Arbor, 38-21. to 21. And to me, it was the first time, first of all, that, that Indiana had beat Michigan since night let's see, I don't want to misquote this here. Uh, 1987, I believe it was. Uh, and, and you know what? The, the score was probably, or the game was even worse than the score. Indiana looked like a more physical team, looked like a better coach team, looked like a team that was a little more inspired and played harder too. I'm no expert on Indiana football and nor do I think it's any kind of power or any type of tradition or anything. But they are ranked number 13th in the country. They're 3-0. and uh, Michigan falls to 1-2 and on the season. And I got to tell you, Michigan has not looked good um, kind of at the close of last year and at the beginning of this year. I don't know if the Jim Harbaugh message 
has just kind of faded off into the sunset. I I don't know. It, it seems to me when Jim Harbaugh goes places now in college at San Diego and at Stanford, he got there and you know, it was improvement nonstop, but in some of these other places he's gone, uh, the 49ers and now Michigan really good start jumps out, has a clear new message, has a new system. Here's how we're going to do things. Uh, all this stuff that, that he does the first couple of years he's there. Okay, man, this is great. Right direction. Uh, you know, Niners go to the Super Bowl, Michigan, you know, winning 10 games a year and, and in big bowl games and everything. But then it seems to me like much like what happened with the 49ers, it's now happening in Michigan. It's like his message to his players or the message to his program is just not people aren't buying into it anymore. The message dies out. Part of part of the good thing about coaches I played for was that messages were consistent and always inspiring, always motivational. I, went, I never went into a game that, that I ever thought I'd lose. And I'm not saying Michigan players think they're going to lose games now because they probably love Coach Harbaugh. They love him in his khaki uh, khaki pants and him yelling at referees and and all this and that. But for Michigan football to be one of the blue bloods of college football, one of the top programs in the country, I think they're one of those pretenders again, much like uh, Texas or even USC right now. Sure, you got great tradition, but are you in an Alabama? Are you a Clemson? Are you in Ohio state? I know there's only a few teams who are that way. The top teams are few and far between, but I just, I consider Michigan almost like, I don't know how many teams are in that tier one, but Michigan to me, they're, they're just, they're not heading in a good direction. Hail the victors, right? As they say, uh, their fight song is one of the best. They get a great tradition. Um, I think John Harbaugh is a great coach. I really do. But for whatever reason, things are not looking good for them. They make mistakes. They are not as physical as the other teams. They just don't look like a Jim Harbaugh coached football team, which is really odd. Because typically all those things are dialed up with Jim Harbaugh. His teams are very physical. They don't make mistakes. They play hard. And the Michigan Wolverines are in real trouble. I don't know... uh, If it's just the crazy year 2020, all the COVID protocols, I don't know. Everyone's dealing with it, though. It's not just Michigan who's the only team that has to put up with this stuff. So anyway, that was kind of the afternoon for me. I watched the Georgia-Florida game, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, as they say. Uh, Very great rivalry. That game's played in Jacksonville every year. And I was pretty surprised that Florida really took it to uh, the Bulldogs from Georgia. I mean, it really wasn't that close. They got up by 20 and they, they just had control of the game. Really great atmosphere, great football, great to see fans out there. Uh, pretty gruesome injury from one of the Georgia wide receivers as he uh, scored a touchdown. Feel bad for him. Looked like a pretty bad uh, injury to the leg. Definitely done for the season. Uh, if you're if you don't <laughs> if you're a little squeamish with things like that, don't look it up. Uh, but anyway, that was kind of the big buildup game. Well, I should say one of the big build-up games on Saturday and uh, didn't quite deliver, didn't quite deliver to the the build-up, some of the drama that I thought there would be. Uh, and uh, congrats to Florida on beating their rivals in Georgia. And, you know, we saw Georgia play Alabama and it was just like, okay, Georgia hung in there, but Alabama's just a little better than everyone else, right? 
So Florida, I, I don't know where they go from here. Um, they are four and one, ranked eight in the country. Georgia's now four and two. I, I do like what I saw from the Florida quarterback. Um, he threw for 474 yards, almost four, almost 475. Um, but Kyle Trask, he looks like uh, a pretty good quarterback as far as uh, being at the college level. You could tell he's a senior. You know the way he carries himself, the way he uh, leads the team, and everything. And uh, when they when they gave him time, he he really puts the ball on the money, and uh, they look like pretty explosive offense when he's on. So, congrats to the Florida Gators and their big win from Saturday. Uh, a few other games here um, that that jumped out out to me as far as Pac-12 play. You know, Washington and Cal they canceled their game um, when you only have a few games on the schedule and. Um, and uh, only a few weeks to do it. You really can't be canceling games. And if you look into this, I don't want to talk about it too much, but you know, Cal Berkeley, they are this uh, beacon of wisdom, if you will, uh, in in some of their policies. You know, that one of the most radical places on the planet. And they have some pretty weird, crazy policies on this whole thing. And that had a lot to do with why that game was canceled. Apparently, there was only one student who was asymptomatic or symptomatic, whatever the phrases uh with the whole covid thing and cal berkeley their administration they just panicked and said nope no we're not playing not playing the game so uh pretty disappointing um i think cal berkeley and the cal bears uh, cal could be a much more uh promising program but i think they let politics and other things get in the way of of sports at times i think they're more committed to extremism and uh you know leftist ideas than uh, sports. So I don't really have much respect for Cal Berkeley and what they do up there. I feel bad for Washington and Washington is no, you know, um, it's not like they are, uh, not guilty of, of <laughs> overreacting in their administration to things too. Uh, but I do think Cal Berkeley kind of takes the cake with all of their uh, policies. So tough, tough to see that Washington Cal was canceled. Um, let's talk about UCLA. I know there's some people who listen to this who are UCLA fans and UCLA went to Colorado, uh, tough place to play on the road. It's November. So a little chilly there and everything. Um, I got to tell you right out of the gate, UCLA, you know, fumbling on the punt return early, um, turning the ball over four times in the first half. You just, I don't care what level of football is. You cannot do that. We talked about that uh, already on this program with different levels of football. You just cannot turn the ball over like that. And I think chip, chip Kelly, you know, he can't hold on to the ball. He can't throw the passes, but ultimately it all comes comes back to him, right? And so he's supposed to be this offensive guru. The problem with that is that there doesn't appear to be any concern or any attention to any detail regarding defense. Now, you could say, Matt, well, you know, most people in the Pac-12 don't play defense or the Big 12 or these other. Well, okay, fine. But... You're also the one who constantly gives up tons of points, gets behind. Uh, I mean, UCLA was behind 35-7 to in this game. I will give them credit. They rallied. They put up 21 in the third quarter alone and scored again uh, in the fourth quarter to get it within six points. But it was just too little too late. They scored with a minute 45 left, and they weren't able to – Was I think it was an onside kick they weren't able to get. And uh, – you know, it's just UCLA seems to do this all the time. And especially when you had extra time to prepare for your season opener, do do you go into a game like this and 
you just looked flat. You look like you had never been tackled before. And maybe you haven't. Maybe, you know, unfortunately, there isn't much tackling that goes on. It seems like tackling's outlawed uh, in the state of California at times. But, I mean, man, Colorado Buffaloes? I mean, it's no knock on them. They got a good history too. But to get behind them 35-7 to on your first game? Come on, Chip Kelly. Come on, UCLA. You're better than that. You're better than that. There's no excuse for that. Pretty disappointing from the, the Bruins on Saturday. And, and you know what? I, I It's not like I'm uh, cheering for them or rooting against them or anything. I just, Colorado, uh, as a team, rushed for 264 yards. Okay, Colorado ran for more yards than they did throw, for, throw yards. Excuse me, pass for yards. Colorado had 264 yards rushing and only threw for 261. What does that tell you? That tells me your team is absolutely soft, UCLA. That is a soft defense to give up 264. I I haven't seen that too many times where a team gives up more yards rushing than passing. That says a lot. And, And UCLA, yeah, you threw for 300, but you were very marginal with your completion percentage, 20 of 40. 20 of 40 for 300 yards. That's not going to get it done. Sure, four touchdown passes. Ooh, cool. All right, but but you got to find a little bit more consistency with your completions too. You can't you can't complete half your passes in a football game. You just can't do that. We'll give UCLA some credit. They ran the ball okay. 175 yards on the ground. That's not bad. But when you break it down and say, oh, Colorado, that's pretty good. But Colorado ran for almost 100 more yards than that. So UCLA has some real holes to fill, and it continues to be on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know why they can't seem to uh, piece together any solid defenders in uh, uh, over there in Westwood, especially you know with all the recruiting they do in Southern California and everything. I know there's kids in California who know how to tackle, who know how to cover. I know there are. You got to find them, UCLA. So uh, that's kind of my my thoughts on uh, Bruin football from Saturday. Uh, I, I will talk about, you know, Oregon looked good over Stanford, a big win there at home um, in some uh, local games uh, as far as, you know, Fresno state over UNLV. I always uh, pull for those, uh, for those mountain West teams and everything. Uh, I like what they do. Uh, BYU put it on Boise state on Friday night, 51, 17. That was rather surprising in another surprising game, San Jose state, the Spartans, beating the San Diego State Aztecs 28-17. So those are some lower-tier Californian schools that are in the Mountain West and maybe don't get the notoriety of some of the other schools. But, uh, you know, they play good football too, and I always like watching their games uh, over the weekend because you see a lot of local talent on those teams as well. Well, the game of the night of the day was Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame ultimately won 47-40 to over Clemson in double overtime it was one heck of a game. I enjoyed every second of it. I was watching some boxing as well as that football game. I was a little disappointed in NBC for leaving the Clemson-Notre Dame game, the number one and the number four team in the country, to go to a Joe Biden speech. I know he was just declared the president-elect and everything. All right, but I am curious. I'm just brainstorming here. Uh, I am really curious, had Donald Trump been reelected and declared the winner, if NBC would have cut from the game to go to Trump's speech, I doubt it. I doubt it very much. And with all the controversy and everything going on in the voting and everything, I, I didn't think it was 
necessarily appropriate. I mean, I don't I, look at the presidency of the United States is far greater than a football game, but NBC, you were a little disappointing there. Maybe put her on another channel. I don't know, but come on. The biggest football game you get of the year. It, you know what? Here's I'll say this. I'll say this. If you want to go to a presidential speech saying, Hey, I won or whatever, uh, th- then cool. But you should not have the privilege of broadcasting the number one and number four team in the country. Cause you don't care that much about it. If you don't care enough about it. Okay. Then whatever, tough luck, tough luck on us, but you, you shouldn't get the opportunity to broadcast the game. Cause your, uh, your focus is elsewhere. We're saying anyway, um, the Clemson Tigers lost on Saturday night, but I believe they're the better football team than Notre Dame. Notre Dame was at home. Trevor, uh, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Clemson led by seven late. I think Clemson's defense let them down there that final minute and a half or Notre Dame's defense. Excuse me. No, there we go. Get it right. Clemson's defense let them down late. They had the lead. Congrats to Notre Dame and, and all that they did there uh, late in the final 90 seconds or so to go up the field and, and make some plays and, and win the football game. All right. But Clemson's defense broke down there late. And shame on them. You, you just don't see that from them too often. They have a really good defensive coordinator, and uh, it just didn't didn't work out for them. So uh, in overtime, anything can happen. Um, I, I will say that the Notre Dame quarterback, Ian Brook, uh, he looked pretty good in this game. Uh, he he played well. That last drive he was very well done. Uh, Brent, Brent Venable, I think is, yeah. Clemson defensive coordinator. He usually has those tigers, uh, you know, uh, dialed in and, and playing loose and fast and, and doing great things. But, um, the Notre Dame offense, you can't argue with the results. They, they get it done. Um, they, they're very well balanced rushing and passing and, uh, Ian Brooke played a great game. Um, I am not a huge Brian Kelly fan, mostly cause I don't like Notre Dame, but I respect their program. I respect their history. I respect, uh, the religious side of the school and everything. Um, I think he's done a great job at Notre Dame. These, these past, they said, man, he's been there 10, 11 years now or whatever. And only one really tough season, I think. And, um, you know, they, they beat the number one team in the country. They beat the Clemson Tigers. Make no mistake about it. Um, one thing I thought that was absolutely ridiculous was that Trevor Lawrence had to be set out the game because of these COVID protocols and everything. Right. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that, You're going to keep this guy out of this game, yet he can be on the sideline watching. So let me get this straight. He can be on the sideline around the players, but he can't be on the field playing because of your COVID protocols. What are we doing? Who made that decision? That is such a bad look for the ACC when they're probably the nation's top player is there on the sideline. And why isn't he playing? Well, he's COVID, tested positive or whatever. Okay, fine. But much like many policies regarding COVID, you're like, well, then why is he on the sideline? And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be on the sideline. I think that's great that he's there. But I think it's just stupid that he's not playing the game. And it shows how stupid when he's standing there on the sideline. So I'm so tired. of the. I hope with this election, no matter who wins, all this, all this COVID nonsense uh, goes away and we get back to life. Some people will get it. Some people won't. We move on. You know who forgot that it was COVID season, and I loved every second of it, was the Notre Dame students. They stormed the field there at the legendary Notre Dame Stadium, and the, the security guards or the ushers, whoever they were, they were trying like crazy to, to hold them back. And I thought it was hilarious. 
that those in the media had to, of course, slam the students. Say, oh, this is unsafe. I can't believe they're storming the field. This is a pandemic. Get out of here. Get out of here. Stop it. You know what? They weren't rushing the field. The Notre Dame students were not rushing the field, storming the field, if you were. You know what they were doing? They were peacefully protesting. Notre Dame students were peacefully protesting, protesting their victory over Clemson. That's all they were doing, guys. So if we've learned anything from 2020, it's that if you just call what you're doing peaceful protesting, you can assemble anywhere. You can do anything. So congrats to Notre Dame on the big win from Saturday night. And that'll wrap up all of our college football. Well, sorry about that, guys. Sometimes I end up having to rush at the end of these segments here. I didn't realize that on some time, on some of them, sometimes there is a clock where when you're recording on the Acre app by yourself on your computer, you only can do 30-minute segments. So that's kind of why I looked up and I was like, oh, man, I only got five seconds left. Just total transparency here. Nothing to hide. No ballast to hide or anything like that here on the Get Home Safe podcast. We, we want total uh, open honesty with you guys about how things operate here behind the scenes. So uh, that's what's going on here right now. Uh, let's talk a little NFL action from Sunday. You know, after a full day of football on Saturday, man, I must have watched 12 hours by the time it was all said and done. Um, I, I uh, went to go downstairs on Sunday morning and Valerie's like, where are you going? I'm like, well... There's some more football to watch and it's not going to watch itself. You know, it's someone's got to do it. And I guess it's got to be me. So I went back down and watched another full day of NFL action. I know I'm a kind of just uh, a glutton for punishment or whatever, whatever the, the saying goes. Uh, I'm probably saying it wrong as my good friend Todd Carson will remind me of sometime. But anyway, the Rams were off on Sunday. They had a bye. So you guys don't have to hear me. Uh, rant and rave or complain about my Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but there were some great games on Saturday, uh, Sunday. Uh, eight games in the morning, uh, three in the afternoon. I do want to get into uh, one of the other teams who plays in Los Angeles first, and that is the L.A. Chargers. Um, they played the Las Vegas Raiders at SoFi Stadium. And what a game it was. Uh, you know, there's this running joke going around about Chargers football that, you know, oh, the Chargers, they chargered it up. They They do what the Chargers do. And I think New York Jets fans, New York Giants fans, Bengals fans, I, I think Jacksonville Jaguars, some of these organizations, their fan bases, they know what this means. But I don't think anybody finds more crazy, weird ways to lose than the Chargers do. They've been doing it a long time. And on Sunday afternoon, the Raiders and Chargers played a classic AFC West uh, matchup. Um, just a really good football game. Some more great things from Justin Herbert. David Carr looked uh, pretty good. Um, for the Raiders, their, their offense seems to be piecing together pretty well. Um, they did settle for, you know, field goals a couple times, or I guess one time in particular, but, uh, late in the game when they could have kind of put it away. Um, but, uh, John Gruden seems to have that offense going quite well. And the chargers, you know, they, they were down most of the game. They scored in the fourth quarter and they went for two to try to make it, uh, tie the game up at 28. The, they did not get it. Um, the Raiders took the ball pretty much up the field. They stalled on third down or four, yeah, after third down, and, and they managed to kick a field goal to take a five-point lead. Well, that's kind of when the drama starts. The Chargers go up up the field, uh, rushing to try to get uh, into the end zone to win the game. They get the ball down 
towards the, uh, I would say, I don't know, the 10 yard line, give or take. And <laughs> uh, they're down there, you know, with a few, few short yards to go with about six seconds left. The first play they, they throw is a fade to the right side. It's in the hands of the receiver and uh, just manages to uh, trickle away at the last second as the ball, uh, as the ball uh, falls to the ground incomplete. Well, the, uh, the Raiders kind of lucked out there with that because it looked like for a second that this Chargers receiver was going to maintain possession. Well, uh, on the very next play with one second left, uh, Herbert again threw a very similar throw, and this is third and goal at the four-yard line, so they're well inside um, the five-yard line, and it was uh, Herbert for the Chargers again who threw a very similar pass, a very similar play um, into the corner of the end zone. It was initially ruled a catch for a touchdown, and I was watching it live and standing there, and as the play happened, I said, that ball hit the ground, and the Chargers celebrated like they caught it, uh, the Raiders first guy was like, wait, that hit the ground, but they weren't super demonstrative about it. Well, the replay pop popped up and it took a few looks and then sure enough, the ball kind of came out, bounced and real quick back up into the receiver's uh, stomach or whatever. So the chargers went from celebrating a walk-off touchdown, which would have won them the game 32 to 31 to having replay overturn the play. And rightfully so, uh, to an incomplete pass and the chargers again lost again uh, on a very uh, tough, tough way to lose a football game. Although there's not too many good ways to lose a football game. I guess they lost the game to the Las Vegas Raiders 31 to 26. And I know Raider fans for all the drama and all the complaining they do about all oh, the NFLs against us and this and that. Oh, you're just not that important Raiders. You're not that important to, to screw with or whatever. So the Raiders pulled this one out uh, after some officiating, um, corrections there with replay, um, getting the call right. And, uh, the chargers, man, they've lost so many close games this year, so many different ways. And you, you gotta just shake your head. I mean, they're two and six. I don't know how they're two and six, but you're, you are who your record says you are. And the Raiders improved to five and three. Um, I, I hate to say it, but halfway through the season now, I mean, eight games in at two and six, I think the chargers may have been done already, but, uh, they're probably done for good now at two and six because, man, even if you win six out of eight uh, in the second half of the season, you're still only going to go 500. So um, tough, tough, tough way for them to kind of go into their uh, midway point of their season. Um, I, I hope the Chargers keep Anthony Lynn. I think he does a good job. I just think they're in kind of a weird stretch right now and kind of transitioning from the old man Rivers, Phillip Rivers, uh, to this new young quarterback. So I hope they give him another chance, Anthony Lynn, even though they're probably not going to win too many more games this season. So big win for the Raiders in Los Angeles. Uh, very interesting stuff there. Uh, probably the most surprising game of the day on paper was the Steelers and the Cowboys. Um, I, I think the Steelers were just asleep at the wheel this whole game. The, the Cowboys played so hard on Sunday, especially their defense. They, they took it to the Pittsburgh offense. Uh, Pittsburgh could not get anything going Pittsburgh with only nine points in the first half, all of them coming in the second quarter. And uh, they went scoreless again in the third quarter and then rallied in the fourth quarter to score, uh, you know, 15 unanswered points really, uh, to win that football game, 24 to 19 over the Dallas Cowboys. And even though the Cowboys were on their fourth quarterback, 
uh, they were winning most of the game. Garrett Gilbert for the Dallas Cowboys is, you know, I don't know what he was doing a few weeks ago, but he's a starting quarterback of the Cowboys now. And um, the Cowboys played hard. They were grinding away. Their defense has been terrible all year, but they played pretty well. And the Steelers, who are undefeated still at 8-0, I think they went into this game really either overconfident or just not thinking uh, too highly of the Dallas Cowboys. And if we've learned any anything in this league, in the NFL, maybe you can do it in college, but in the NFL, you cannot go into the game um, thinking you're going to just roll over someone. you got to be ready for a dogfight each and every week, no matter who you're playing, whether it's the Jets, the Chargers, the Jaguars, or this year, the Dallas Cowboys. You have to be ready. Or if you're not, if you're not ready for, for to play, it's going to show. Case in point, what happened on Sunday evening where the New Orleans Saints absolutely obliterated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, th- this game this game wasn't even close. I don't know who won the coin toss. I hope the Buccaneers won the coin toss because that's about the first and only thing that, that would have gone well for them. I, I mean, the, the New Orleans Saints were ahead 31-0 at halftime. The second half was just a, a breeze because it just uh, – no pun intended there, by the way. I drew a breeze. I need a rim shot here. Um, it was just, it was like uneventful. I, again, build up for this game. I was looking forward to it. I thought, um, you know, New Orleans won the first matchup on opening day. Uh, I, I thought that Tom Brady and the Bucks were really catching their stride and, and going to take off. They brought in Antonio Brown, which I didn't comment on much uh, earlier, but personally, I think it's a bad move. I don't care how much he has changed and all these things. I think you're potentially bringing in a cancerous situation to your team. I know he's a great talent. I just think there's too much potential for drama there. He needs a little bit more time away from football to prove to me and uh, and other other people that uh, he's serious about this and fix some of his other off-the-field problems. So I don't like that whole thing. That's not why Tampa Bay lost on Sunday night. All right, Tom Brady threw three interceptions. Some of those are not his fault. Some of the you know, balls tipped and everything. Sometimes the, the the way the ball bounces sometimes. Sometimes another team is just better than you on that day, any given Sunday, right? But Tampa Bay went from looking like maybe the best team in football the past couple weeks, even though the record was 6-2, and two, to a very mediocre bad team on Sunday night. And, and the New Orleans defense, they have some good players, but they have not been – I would say the level of consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Well, they dominated Sunday night, giving up three points to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers is no small feat. Uh, That is something really that I don't think anybody saw coming. So I'm going to chalk this up as just a bad game, a bad week for the Buccaneers. I don't think this is who they are necessarily, but until they can prove otherwise, maybe it is. I don't want to overreact to any, you know, big loss or big win for anyone, but Man, uh, the Saints really took it to him. And, and how cool is it to see Brady and Breeze on the field at the same time? Two guys in their 40s, uh, from what I can tell, pretty classy guys um, that just play the game and do the right, do the play it the right way, do all these things. Uh, really cool to see, but not what we were expecting at all. As a matter of fact, I started kind of recording the podcast a little earlier than I usually do on Sunday nights because I was like, man, this game is just terrible. So the one game I was mostly looking forward to, I think, turned out to be a snoozer. And uh, congrats to the New Orleans Saints with the big win on on Sunday. So 
that's it for this year as far as the two of them playing in the regular season, the two times they play. But hopefully we see them play each other again in the playoffs, uh, one more shot at each other uh, here because who knows what happens in the in the future with each of these quarterbacks. Any Anybody playing in their 40s, you know, any game could be their last or any any – any season can be their last potentially. So I hope uh, they both come back next year and uh, maybe one more shot at playing each other. A couple other games. Um, the Seattle Seahawks went across the country to uh, Buffalo, New York uh, to take on the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, the Bills, I'm just very skeptical of. I keep saying it. But, you know, maybe at this point, now that they are 7-2 and two and they beat the Seattle Seahawks, uh, maybe the Bills – really are for real. And I don't mean for real in the sense, oh, they're a playoff team. We know they're a playoff team. All right. They're supposed to be like built around defense and everything. I I don't see that. Their defense has not been consistent this year. And another defense who's not consistent has been Seattle. Seattle's made some like big plays defensively. Like in a few games, they've had like singular moments. But overall, their defense has not held up to the standards really of the uh your, your the usual Seattle Seahawk defense right that's what you think of in them and and quite honestly they're just they're not what they've been before there Russell Wilson is going to win you some games but i mean he cannot do it all Russell had two interceptions on on Sunday threw for almost 400 yards um but you're not getting the consistent rushing attack from Seattle like you've seen over the years and the Seattle defense again is not up to their standards, up to par. I, I'm very skeptical of uh, Josh Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, but he's throwing the football a lot better now. You know, when he came out of Wyoming, I thought that he, this is a really good fit. I saw him play in the Mountain West, cold weather and this and that. I think he's a good fit for Buffalo. I think he runs around a little bit too much for my taste, my taste. But you know what? He he's starting to be a lot more accurate, and he's playing good football. And and you know what? Maybe he is after all. A pretty decent quarterback. He's still young, but he's heading in a good direction, much like the Buffalo Bills are. Um, I, I do think they'll probably win that division. But the team I talked to you guys about last week, specifically because they were playing my Los Angeles Rams, was the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphin defense, uh, now with Tua Tunga Mailoa, uh, Vailoa starting quarterback now, you know, that's definitely interesting thing to watch. But the Dolphins go into Phoenix, go into Arizona and beat the Arizona Cardinals. And it wasn't for a lack of offense, really, from the Cardinals. They they played pretty good ball. You know, Kyler Murray um, not only had some great throws, but also some really good runs. Led the, led the Cardinals in rushing uh, with 106 yards. I don't like seeing quarterbacks lead a team in rushing. You guys know that? All right. But, but Murray, if he's anything, he makes his reads pretty quick. And if he feels any any kind of pressure, any type of um, walls closing in on him, he takes off, and he's so quick. He's a little guy, but he is really, to me, he looks like he's playing pretty good football this year. He's he's out of that kind of rookie rookie woes, if you will. I think he's heading in a good direction. Arguably, they could have won the game, should have won the game on Sunday. I mean, it was anybody's game, 31-31 there in the fourth quarter. Um, the Dolphins were just a little bit better. Cardinals missed a field goal late that uh, would have won it. It looked straight. It was straight, but it was short of all things, which you almost never see. It wasn't like a 60-something yarder. So that was a little odd. So that game was headed to overtime, really, if that field goal isn't missed. And a, a pretty good matchup. Uh, I was praising the Dolphins' defense last week. 
thinking they could hang with Buffalo Bills maybe and uh, with the, the level of defensive play the Dolphins do and everything. But they gave up some points on, on Sunday to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And you know what? It's to be said because the Cardinals offense is pretty good. It really is especially with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Of course, one of my favorite players in the NFL is Larry Fitzgerald. He just carries himself with class and is always a uh, uh, always there. He's Mr. Mr. Consistent, right? Um, I think the Cardinals, I would be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. All right, but we've talked already about that division. Kyler Murray is still in his second year in the NFL. So in the second half of the season, maybe after some more film and things, uh, teams might know how to play him a little bit better, but he's really throwing the ball well. Uh, he's running around a lot, but he's throwing the ball very well. 21 to 26, good numbers there uh, on, on Sunday, and not a bunch of yards, but the throws he does make, I mean, they're spot on. There's good touch. Uh, like what I'm seeing from Kyler Murray um, and the Arizona Cardinals in general. I think uh, they're believing that uh, that they're a decent team. They're 5-3. and three. Uh, tied with the LA Rams for second place in the NFC West, and you know with the Seahawks losing on uh, on Sunday as well, you know that division just really tightens up. Uh, the 49ers, of course, of course, lost on Thursday to the Packers. They got kind of blown out. Um, but with the Seahawks being six and two, and both the Cardinals and Rams at five and three, Niners struggling a little at four and five now with some injuries and everything. They might slowly fade off here, but. Uh, never doubt Kyle Shanahan and uh, Jimmy G. If he gets healthy, I think uh, he can play pretty well too. So that division is still, uh, ha- I think, hands down the best in football. And uh, we'll see in moving forward. The Rams play or host the Seattle Seahawks next Sunday. So I am hoping that division gets all tied up after next week. But we shall see. Uh, another big game on um, Sunday was the Ravens-Colts. Two pretty good teams extremely low scoring, especially in the first half. Uh, the Ravens were able to pull away 24-10 over the Colts uh, to improve uh, their record to 6-2. and two. The Colts fell to 5-3. and three. I actually thought the Colts would win this game. Um, I, I thought it was just kind of off of a hunch. It wasn't anything I saw or anything. Uh, but, but I thought, hey, for a while there, it was 7-7 in the second half, and uh, or at least near halftime or something. And I thought uh, it was going to be a little tighter ending, but uh, the Ravens pulled away, and congrats to them on a big win. The Carolina Panthers really hung with the Kansas City Chiefs all day on Sunday. They just would not go away. And if it were not for a missed 67-yard field goal as time expired, uh, the Chiefs uh, would not have would not have walked away with a win there. The Chiefs beat the Panthers 33-31 and probably the most surprising score of the uh, afternoon. Got to hand it to the Panthers with their new coach, Matt Rule. They're playing hard. Um, they're they're losing some tough games, but with their quarterback, um, uh, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Teddy Bridgewater, excuse me. Uh, you know, they look pretty decent, and Christian McCaffrey's a great player. Uh, he's banged up, of course, but I think there got to be some concern from the Chiefs in kind of how many points they were giving up, chunks of yardage and everything. Uh, I think they'll piece it together. They seem to do that, but uh, – their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, who one time was a Rams coach. He's a good defensive coordinator. Um, he, he'll, he'll piece it together along with Andy Reid, but, but the Chiefs got to kind of dial it up, uh, you know, tighten up things on the defensive side of the ball. No problems offensively, of course, with Patrick Mahomes and everything. Uh, nothing really else to write home about here 
as far as the NFL action. I mean, the Falcons had a big lead on the Broncos. That started to wither away. I think fans were like, wait a minute, uh, here we go. I've seen this. Uh, I've read this book before, but the Falcons did hold on to beat the Broncos 34 to 27. Uh, Tennessee Titans beat the Chicago Bears 24-17, and it really wasn't that close. The Titans, it was low scoring, but the Titans were pretty much in control of that game. And I might eat my words later on, but I'm going to say it right now. With the Bears now going to five and four, I, I think the Bears are, are, are done. I, I don't think they make the playoffs. Um, I really like Nick Foles. And for that matter, I like Matt Nagy too. And I could be dead wrong. Maybe they turn their season around. They are just really going in a bad direction right now with a few of their last few, diff- their last few games have not looked good. So I think eh, the horizon isn't looking good for the Bears. They started hot, right? Weren't they 5-1 and one or something like that? And they just have not um, been playing well their past, their past few games. Um, I'm sure Bears fans are pretty disappointed because uh, the season did look somewhat promising. It did look uh, to be uh, you know headed in a good direction, but um, – Unfortunately, uh, it's all about who wins the ball game, and uh, the Bears did not do that, and they fall to five and four on the season. And I gotta say that uh, I, I think they're done. If I'm sitting here after nine, seeing them play nine football games, I don't know if they will be able to uh, bounce back and kind of take a commanding piece together some wins. I just don't see that. But in their division, anything's possible. Um, with the Packers, Lions, and the Vikings there, who knows? But uh, I, if I was playing the odds here, I don't think the Bears are headed in a good direction. So uh, the other two teams in that division, the Vikings, Lions, they played on Sunday, 34-20 win by the Vikings, uh, who've quietly won a few games now. Uh, they're 3-5. and five. That's nothing to write home about. But, you know, getting to that three-win mark, uh, you're only a game from 500. Maybe in the second half they play a little bit better. Who knows? We shall see. Uh, kind of a snoozer on Sunday night. I mentioned that Saints Bucks game, and then tomorrow night, or excuse me, tonight, Monday night, um, the Monday night football game. I, again, I don't know who who assigns these games, the Jets and the Patriots. I mean, come on, guys. Any football is better than no football, but oh, the Jets Patriots, all the different matchups. I know that the networks control these things, but unbelievable the Jets and the Patriots. I don't know what you guys will be doing. I typically try to avoid the score and try to get home and watch some of the game late after work, but not this time. I don't, I don't really care. I could care less about that game. So if the, if you're a Jets fan, you're a Patriots fan, I do apologize, but enjoy your NFL action uh, on Monday night. I probably won't be tuning in, but that's about enough for me from my NFL comments. Uh, we are, Officially halfway through with everything. Everybody has played at least eight games. Some teams have played nine. So I think we know a lot about the identities of a lot of the teams uh, moving forward. And you know what? If you have some questions uh, regarding your team, um, your maybe things you've seen, uh, some some comments you'd like me to address, uh, send those Send those in into us on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons. Give me your frustrations of your team. Uh, vent to me like I vent about my teams or other people uh, want to. Uh, we can talk about them. I, you know, you know, you guys know the teams I dislike, but I'm, I try to be honest. I try to be honest when the Raiders are playing good, the 49ers, the Cowboys, uh, even though that's not the case for them this year. Uh, I try to be open and honest about these things and kind of give my, my thoughts. 
uh, on those teams that I dislike and, and those other teams that I do like, because I do, there are players and coaches and different teams that organizations that um, I have good thoughts and good things to say about. So anyway, if you want me to uh, specifically address anything, be sure to send in uh, some topics on, on Sunday so we can get to that. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed um, today's NFL uh, conversation with you or some uh, analysis from my end. I know it's kind of just me repeating myself from the previous weeks, but that's what we're doing on Mondays, guys. Mondays is talking some football and getting some thoughts off our chest uh, from the weekend. So that'll wrap up uh, kind of the sports talk today. Let me take one final break, a little sip of water here, and then we'll get into uh, our final segment, which is just kind of wrapping up the show uh, a few minutes and some housekeeping items. items. So stick, uh, stay with us, I should say, and uh, I will be right back. Well, thanks for starting off your Monday with us here at the Get Home Safe Podcast or whenever you're listening to this episode, whether it be Tuesday or later in the week. Either way, thanks for joining us. Thanks for chiming in and listen to me ramble away about sports and about college football, NFL football, and of course, my thoughts on the presidential election and everything that's going on around the country here in this crazy world we live in in 2020. I know the future is pretty uncertain. We look out at the horizon and we're not quite sure what to expect, but you know what? All we can do is get up each day and uh, get after it, do the best we can and control what we can control. So I'm really interested to see all that plays out here with the presidential election and everything um, as the year moves on. And, and as we go into the month of November, I mean, uh, pretty soon we'll be at Thanksgiving and after that, uh, Christmas. And as it, as it stands now, we do have a new president presidential elect president elect i should say um but there's a lot that could still be determined when i was a let's see a freshman in high school yeah in uh, 2000 uh or was a sophomore year excuse me in uh, 2000 but anyway during that election that lasted you know 37 days after election night with all of the uh litigation and lawsuits and everything that went into the state of florida in the al gore and george bush uh, president election. You know, I, I think we're in for something similar to that again this time, something similar in multiple states instead of just the one that happened there. So strap in, as they say, uh, it's going to be a long ride, I think, from here on out. And I could be dead wrong. Maybe it's all over in a couple days and uh, nothing changes. But uh, I do hope that we can find a way to <laughs> get along in some sense. I heard some some discussion from uh, Democrats and such uh, about unity, you know, and unifying now and this and that. So I hope that's the case. Whether Joe Biden is the president or Donald Trump the president is the president. Uh, Donald Trump is still the president, and Joe Biden has been allegedly elected president. So uh, that uh, is to be determined. But however it plays out, I hope this talk of unity continues because we definitely need it one way or another. No more COVID. We need to get back to life. We need to get back to work. Uh, people can get back to their uh, way of doing things, especially as we approach the holidays here. You know, a time where we're supposed to be very thankful uh, during Thanksgiving and then even in the Christmas holiday, the Christmas season. And yes, it is the Christmas season uh, for those that uh, are easily offended or need to look it up or whatever the case. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be a happy time. And I hope uh, in the next month or so that we can find a happy place because so many people have had bad news 
all year long. And uh, we really need some victories. We need some victories as a country, uh, individually, in, in moving forward. So even with an election, you're only going to find half the country is, is happy and half of the country isn't. So there's not much that can be done with that. But I think in our daily lives, I think we can all do a little bit better uh, in treating other people and, and also just uh, going about our business the right way. We talk about that with athletes all the time, doing things the right way. Well, I think each of us has a responsibility to do that. No matter what your political beliefs, no matter what your religion, uh, no matter what your job or your family or where you're from, we have a responsibility to each other and to ourselves of how we carry ourselves, how we treat other people and and in moving forward. Uh, We can't just be naive, but you know what? We got to control the things we can control. At least those are my two cents for this Monday here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. So send in some emails with questions or content suggestions challenge me challenge bill barnes whatever you want to do we leave it to you we leave it open we would love to hear from you just like you hear from us monday wednesdays and fridays here on the get home safe podcast i've done some kind of soul searching a little bit uh maybe some social media soul searching if you will uh so for the time being i still have social media on those various platforms but there could be some changes in the living arrangements here soon uh some changes in my social media activity um I, along with some of my friends and other people, might not be so happy with uh, some of the things that social media and big tech has done. So I might go in a different direction. I'm exploring those options as we speak. I have uh, kind of dove into a few different other social media options that I'm, you know, researching and kind of just, you know, doing my due diligence on to see if they're worth it. But uh, I, I am a little fed up with some of the policies of big tech and the different social media platforms that only seem to do uh, censoring on one side of the coin. And I don't think that's appropriate. So if uh, if if I've learned anything in 2020, that there are some things I can part with and there are some things that I cannot part with. So we each of us have to ultimately make those decisions ourselves to what we can and cannot live with and maybe what we should and should not live with. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at these days. But for now, we have those social media platforms on the Get Home Safe podcast. And I hope you give us a like, give us a follow and uh, tune in on our podcast to listen to us Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Look in those episode notes as well for some links regarding sending in a voice message as well as some other information about our podcast. Guys, I'll wrap up today's show. Thanks for starting your week with us as we talk some football and uh, some other things. So I'm excited about our conversation with Bill Barnes on Wednesday. It should be a doozy. I don't know if we're recording Tuesday night or Wednesday morning yet, but we will get an episode out for you guys on Wednesday uh, to kind of let out a lot of frustrations and a lot of uh, different topics regarding the election and some other current events uh, as best we can. So be sure to join us on Wednesday with Bill Barnes. But guys, until then, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.